1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 321, and we are recording on March 8th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. It's nice here (laughs) today. (laughs) (laughs) It's like temperate. I don't know what to do.
2: So you in works like you posted this thing about the different seasons that Virginia mm. has and one of them was the pollining yes. and that's that's what's happening here right now yes. in Philadelphia we're we are deeply in the pollining yesterday it was almost 80 degrees and today the high is like 52 mm. so in addition to the pollining we're in I don't know what to call that sprinter sprinter spring winter
1: sprinter the pollining is so gross it's yeah. I, I, I it, like. I don't want to touch anything, and I I don't want to open my windows because then everything in the right. house gets covered in this like yellow film. Also, I have a black dog. He looks ridiculous this time of year. <laughs> Bumblebee Petunia. Yes, he looks like a giant really very stupid
2: bumblebee <laughs> <laughs> i'm here for that it's amazing it's amazing
1: okay so how this show works is we have pollen and then we sneeze yes. and then we go home no this is a show for personalized reading recommendations if you are new here you can send a word you're old here you don't have to be new to send us your reading recommendation requests but you can do that at getbookdipbookgride.com or you can use the form in the show notes on the site um anything is up for grabs if you need a recommend if you have a need a recommendation for like your book club or a gift or for yourself whatever all of that is Um, If your question is time-sensitive, put that in the subject line of your email or in big bold letters in the first line if you use the form so that we will get to it in time. Um, Okay, I think that's everything. We have one piece of feedback today from Laura who says... Um, From episode 318, for the person who is looking for historiography, she says, I'm on my way to teach my first class of the year at university on Australian history. We discussed the prologue of a book that would be great for the listener looking for books on the craft of history. It's called The Art of Time Travel, Historians and Their Craft by Tom Griffiths. Griffiths is an environmental historian and a wonderful writer, and he investigates the writing of history through the inspiration, processes, and works of 14 different Australian historians. That sounds very interesting.
2: I really love how much feedback we got for that question like I totally it makes sense to me that people would have feedback for like you know I don't know like Taylor Jenkins read comps or whatever Mm -hmm. but the fact that like so many of you are like and by the way for historiography you are all delightful (laughs) and I love you nerds (laughs) you are our nerds
1: (laughs) okay I'm gonna read our first question and then we will get to uh, our first sponsor and we will go our first question is from Lauren who has I think a question many of us are sharing Mm. right now which is with everything going on between russia and ukraine i want to learn about ukraine through fiction can you recommend novels set in ukraine all right let's hear from our first sponsor
0: today's episode is brought to you by avid reader press This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Kalyan Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. All right, Jen, what Ukrainian fiction do you have for Lauren? Yeah, so to start
2: with, we have a bunch of great posts on the site for this because obviously we are all thinking about this. So if you typed like Book Riot Ukraine into any search engine you will come up with a bunch of posts. So, like, have at that as well. And then I am still waiting for my library. Hold on this. But I cannot wait to read it. It is Grey Bees by Andrei Kirkov, translated by Boris Dralyuk. And, I mean, no surprise if you've listened to the show before. You know I'm obsessed with bees. And <sighs> so this takes place in a very small village in... What is called the gray zone, which is a space between loyalist and separatist forces. And there's only like two people who live there because of obvious reasons. Like there's no electricity, there's no food. It could be bombed at any moment. But, you know, there they are. They live there. And so Sergey. Like, has bee- he keeps bees. And as spring is approaching, he feels like he has to move them so that they can collect pollen in peace and, like, not get bombed. Like, he's concerned about his bees getting bombed. This is, like, a very mundane, like, real, like, obviously, like, there's big concerns and then there's the small everyday concerns. And I love a novel that tackles both. And that's what it sounds like this is doing. Um, and so he, it's like a journey. Like, he's on this journey with his bees trying to figure out like how to just do the thing whereby he can keep his bees safe. And so I really am looking forward to reading this. It sounds very much up my alley. It might also be very much up yours. So again, that is Grey Bees by Andrei Kirkov with Boris Dralyuk as translator.
1: All right. I picked Vida Nostra by Marina and Sergei Dyachenko. It's translated by Julia Metov-Hersey. And this is a
2: huge
1: bestseller in Ukraine. And it was translated into English in 2018 by Harper Voyager, which is when I read it. I picked it up because one of our former contributing editors, Rincy, who has an amazing YouTube channel called Rincy Reads, called it Harry Potter if Harry Potter were written by Kafka. <laughs> And I was, like, very into that description. Um, And that's pretty accurate. So it's about a, a girl named Sasha, who's a teenager. She goes on a beach vacation with her mother. And she gets approached by this, like, very strange, mysterious man who asks her to do this series of tasks for gold coins that she doesn't want to do because they could result in like some scandal coming down upon her and her family but she does them anyway and then he eventually encourages her to move to this very remote village and use the gold that he's given her to enter a school called the institute of special technologies against her mother's you know advice she does that she goes to the school and the special technologies uh, alluded to in the name of the school are not it reminded me, upon reflection, it reminds me a lot of Catherine House, if you've read that, where, like, the, the classes are bonkers nonsense, um, and a lot of it is, like, metaphysics and things that border on the mystical and things that have no basis in reality, and if she goes, like, if she, you know, falls out of line or disobeys the teachers in any sort of way, then her family is punished. It's, like, very dark, and I, I didn't pick this because it's, like, a slice of life of you know, regular Ukrainian existence in a city or in a village or anything like that. But it is a slice of the mind, I think, of a Ukrainian reader because this is one of the most best-selling works in Ukraine. And it does, you know, the settings are glimpses into, like, beachside vacations and regular kind of rural villages and things like that. But just the fact that, like, the people who live there love this story so much, I think makes it a really interesting way to kind of get to know the Ukrainian mindset, Ukrainian readers. So that's Vida Nostra by Marina and Sergei Diachenko.
2: All right, our next question is from a Jen that is not me. It's a Jen with (laughs) one N who is looking for a contemporary YA book that would provoke a good discussion for a book club full of 40 plus aged persons trying to do something different and thought we might take a chance and try a YA book based on previous choices I think they would prefer something that wasn't sci-fi slash fantasy slash romance slash poetry first focused <laughs> I was hoping for a title that wasn't too high school cringy and that even an older adult could appreciate like The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas or Furia by Yamil Saeed Mendez and he help would be greatly appreciated. All right, so I know you said that you don't want sci-fi, but I don't care because I think this is a great book club pick. And it's not like space sci-fi it's like mildly future the technology is interesting but is not the main point of it it's very much about human relationships and it tackles both climate change and class issues so like it digs into these meaty topics that you find in like you know the hate you give or fury so i think it's a great pick for you if you can like let go of the fact that you don't think you want sci-fi because i think you want this book it is the ones we're meant to find by joan huff I will give a content warning for intimate partner violence, sort of. It's weird. I don't really know how to talk about it without spoiling. So Mm. I'm just going to say that that sort of is in here. And there's two narrators. We have C, who lives on this abandoned island and has been there for years. And, like, there are no other people. And she's just, like, trying to build a boat from Junk Parts to get off the island And find, like, literally anyone else, but also in particular, her sister. And then this other narrative is a 16-year-old named Casey, who is, like, a genius. And she lives in this like eco city in the clouds it literally levitates and it is extremely stratified so if you live up at the top like you have more of everything resources cachet you know status etc and if you live lower down like you're still living a better life than the people who are back on the mainland which is actually falling apart but you know you don't have the same privileges as the other folks and it's ranked by carbon footprint. So, like, the carbon footprint of your ancestors determines your status in this eco-city. And her family were, like, one of the founders, so obviously they're very highly placed. But she's, like, not super on board with a lot of things that are happening. And also her sister has disappeared. And she's trying to figure out what has happened. There's some, like, mystery around the final days of her life. Was she murdered? Did she leave? Like, what has gone on? And so, yeah, Casey is, like... Sort of, you know, not good at interacting with other people, but she has to to try to figure out what has happened to her sister. And the way these two storylines end up twining around each other and together is like, oh, chef kiss. It's so good. It's so perfect. (laughs) I just thought this was so well written, so interesting, a really quiet thinky book despite having a great amount of action and plot but like what really hit me were these very human moments and I would have loved to talk about this book in a book club especially because the ending is very deliberately ambiguous so you could you could literally spend an hour fighting about what happens at the end like you could so again that's The Ones We're Meant to Find by Joan Ha.
1: All right. I picked The Silence of Bones by June Hur, which I picked because it is historical fiction and a murder mystery and has a lot of feminist elements to it. And I think all three of those things are great fodder for discussion. Like, while wow, these times have changed, but also they have not changed at <laughs> all in, in 250 years. Mm. Um, and also the like, how is the Who Done It handled is always a great book club kind of fodder for discussion. So it takes place in 1800 in Korea and is about a 16 year old girl named Seal who is indentured to what at that time is the police, like the police bureau. Um, and so as an indentured servant, she uh, basically does whatever she's told. She runs errands, she cleans floors, she does all these sorts of things. Um, And when the book opens, a noble woman has been murdered, her body is found, and she is called upon by the police to, like, handle the body because they are men and they cannot touch a a woman's body. So she helps them handle the body. And while she's doing that, she notices things that the police don't notice because they are not l- looking very carefully at a female's body because they aren't supposed to. So she notices a couple of things. This is a, a dead woman. Uh, normally that would not matter, but she comes from a very wealthy family. So they need to like do something about it. And so an inspector is charged with the investigation, a young male inspector, and he takes Seal on as like his kind of assistant to help investigate because, like, he's got to go talk to all of these female witnesses, her friends, her family, um, and he can't, he can't, like, he can't talk to them. He can't go into their rooms, you know, often. He can't, like, enter their homes sometimes. He can't talk to them without a chaperone. So the two of them kind of become buddy cops, except there's a, a huge power disparity. And as they get, but as they get, like, deeper and deeper into the investigation, they become kind of buddies. Like, he learns to respect her. She drops her guard around him a little bit. But then he becomes the prime suspect for reasons that, you know, the book will explain, obviously. And she has to kind of go off on her own and solve it You know, to find out whether or not he did it. But also now she's by herself. She doesn't have the cloak of of an actual police officer to get into these spaces and investigate. She's got to do it alone as a young, unmarried woman in Korea in 1800. Like there is no space for her to ever like literally to ever speak with her voice, like open her mouth and make sounds is not a thing she is allowed to do. But she's got to solve a murder. So how's she going to do it? It's There's just a lot going on. It's a fascinating work of historical fiction and has a great plucky protagonist, which I always love. So that's The Silence of Bones by June Her. All right. Question three is from Kim, who says, OK, look, we don't really <laughs> we often get questions that 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 have like nice things that people say about the show or about us. And we don't read them because it's kind of cringy. But I want to read this one because it's so nice. And this Kim has been listening to this show forever. So I'm going to read the whole thing. And you're just going to have to suck up and deal with how cringy it is that I'm reading this. <laughs> but okay. She says, I would like to start off by thanking you two for being a constant in my reading life since the so- the show came out. Seriously, through the ups and downs of the past seven years of being a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, a starving student, and finally a paramedic. What a journey. I would always look to this podcast to snap myself back into what I love. I can't tell you how many times I've used the books I've read from this show to bridge a gap between myself and a patient to find a shared interest for them to focus on. I'm so happy with what my reading life has taught me and I owe it to the books on the show recommended by you both. That is bananas. And thank you so much.
2: (laughs) I'm like tearing up a little bit. I know you're doing important work and we appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Okay. So the question is, I'm going
1: on my first ever solo backpacking trip in June. I'm looking for for a book that will be my mental hiking partner for the five days it will take me to complete the trail i would like a book that will keep me thinking about it during the day challenge me to think differently and inspire me to keep knocking out ad- items excuse me off my bucket list i would prefer books set in the outdoors for obvious reasons bonus points for medical or survival elements i'm leaning more towards fiction rather than non-fiction also anything with a strong female lead is a plus i would prefer a book without children as characters because this will be a long time away from my son and i'd rather not spend my day thinking about how far away i am from him Okay, Jen, what you got?
2: I... Gosh, I spent like a thousand years trying to figure out what I wanted to recommend Mm -hmm. for this question, but I settled on one that's sort of a sideways pick, but here we are. It's Ammonite by Nicola Griffith. And the reason I picked it is because it is such a journey and it is, it does absolutely have survival elements, but there's so much more going on than that. And when I was thinking about you wanting something that would like, you could be in your head a little bit, not thinking about maybe. Like how tired you are of hiking up this hill or whatever. Like <laughs> I feel like this book will give you a lot of food for thought. So this is science fiction. It takes place in a future in which like humanity is out in the universe, and there's this planet called Jeep, and it has had a deadly virus that has like changed the genetic makeup of the uh, humans who are on the surface. And so there're a lot of protocols. I didn't think about this being like a pandemic book, sorry. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of protocols about going down there, but they feel like like there something has somebody has to go down and figure it out. And generally women are more protected against this virus than men. So, an anthropologist, Marga Is like she's got they've got this new vaccine. She's going to go down and test it out and try to figure out like what the hell is going on on this planet. And it is a ride. It is so well written. I mean, Nicola Griffith is an amazing writer. It is about gender and sexuality. It's about, yeah, like if you are used to a certain level of technology, like how do you survive When you don't have access to that, also, when you're tossed into this situation where you don't know who to trust, who the players are, what is going on, like, why it's going on, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and... I think it's both a great story in terms of like, yes, like succeeding at a journey that is really hard, but also it's just an amazing thought experiment. So there's tons of matter here for you to chew over as you're on your hike. I also think it's very readable, which is important, too. So, again, that's Ammonite by Nicola Griffith.
1: All right. I picked Contents May Have Shifted by Pam Houston, which I almost did not pick because I was like, oh, it's like a memoir and she wants a novel. But then I remembered that it's not a memoir. It's one of those <laughs> tricky memetic. Is that what they call it? Fiction. It's it's completely <laughs> like autobiographical, but also not completely autobiographical. There's like romantic stuff in it that isn't true to Pam's life. Anyway, it's very much based on her life experiences. But I picked this because the chat it's 144 little tiny snippet chapters. And uh, I think that makes for really easy reading when you're on the go, you can read a chapter when you sit down to like eat your snack at a summit or whatever. And then you can read a couple, you know, when you're uh, when you stop for the night. It's just very digestible. But they're they're short, but they pack such punches. All of these chapters. You will definitely be thinking about them later as you're, you know, going on about your hike. But this is a book about travel. And every uh like the whole conceit is that this is a, a woman who is like stuck in a dead end relationship and decides she's gonna leave, but like literally. So she leaves and then just starts traveling and never stops, which is very true to Pam Houston's life, where she's just like got a a ticket in one hand and another one on her couch for when she gets home so that she can immediately leave again. So it takes you all over the world. You go to Alaska, you go to like Bhutan. There's all of these far-flung places that she is describing visiting that I think will really beef up a bucket list because some of them sound fascinating. Some of them sound terrifying, (laughs) especially when she like enters it with like, and then my plane almost crashed and you're like, Mm no, I don't want to. But other than that, it's really just this like wandering almost... Travel memoir in fiction, and the narrator is middle aged. So, this is not like a 19 year old girl in her gap year. This is like a person with an established life who is doing a lot of traveling because she wants to functionally, which sounds like what are you doing? So, that's contents may have shifted by Pam Houston.
2: All right. Our next question is from Heidi, who says, Over the last two months, I have been in a reading slump. Everything I pick up just doesn't hold my attention. I have picked up books from my to-read list, random books, and even buzzy books. I'm thinking that a good novella will help me get back into reading. I'm not picky on genre or topic, just a short, compelling read that may help me get back into books." Yeah, we can do that. So <laughs> I picked A Taste of Honey by Kai Ashanti Wilson, which is technically the second in the Sorcerer of the Will Deep series. But it is, I really feel like this is 100% a standalone. And it is very intense. Like, I mm. content warning for violent homophobia. But I was thinking about, like, okay, what is it that when I am in a reading slump, helps me get back into reading and like i need to be like grabbed like forcibly like if it's too chill my brain is just going to be like la di da di da like i'm not going to focus mm. sometimes that's true sometimes the other thing i need i only need chill so it really depends on what your mood is but if you want something that is going to grab you by the brain and then not let go that is absolutely what this book is it is set in a sort of like sort of like a rome greek you know, world, but but much more inclusive and international. And the main character Akib is uh, part of the royal family, but like very low down. And he's also like a zookeeper, which is cool. And he meets this soldier who is part of an embassy that is in the city. And they like start to have a thing, but like homosexuality is not allowed and so that's complicated but there's also this like really interesting I don't want to say too much about it because it is a novel <laughs> and I don't want to spoil things but like there's this really interesting thing that's happening with the narrative as it moves you around in time and place that is just like oh when it all comes together you're like ooh it's so satisfying it's like a puzzle like fitting the last piece into a puzzle it's really really great Um, so it's a little bit speculative a little bit historical you're going to love these characters the world is fascinating I, like, wish this was a thousand times longer than it was or that there were 14 more set in this world. So I think it's really going to grab your attention. So again, that's A Taste of Honey by Kai Ashanti Wilson.
1: Okay, so when I get into... A reading slump like that, one of the things that's really effective at getting me out is reading books about books or books mm. about reading to remind me by, you know, like why I like it so much. So with that said, I picked Ex Libris by Anne Fadiman, um, which is a tiny little thing, it's like 150 pages. And the subtitle is Confessions of a Common Reader. And this is very cozy. It's like if Anne of Green Gables <laughs> grew up to be like a very erudite, writer and then wrote a little novella like collection of essays about why reading is great like it just feels very cup of tea kind of a feeling and that every chapter is a different essay about the reading life um some of which are like they're twee, they're all twee to be honest like they're all twee but in a really nice way <laughs> <laughs> like there's a chapter about how you know being a kid who instead of playing with blocks built castles out of her father's 22 volume set of trollop books and like there's an essay about her marriage and how she didn't really consider herself like fully merged with her husband until they had combined libraries like they had said their vows and were hella married like you cannot get more married than they were but she didn't feel it until their libraries started to share Um, Like shelf space, which I know some married couples who still don't do that. (laughs) Who like still your books go in there, my Mm. books go in here. You know, and neither of those is correct or incorrect. It's just a funny, you know, way that different readers kind of live their lives. And so every book or I think every chapter is really um, a meditation on why the reading life—not just reading, but like being a reader. You know, like the, the reading life, capital R, capital L, is so fulfilling and so interesting and like endlessly fascinating from childhood to deathbed. And I think it's a really um, nice and gentle way to like kickstart yourself back into, into reading if you haven't been able to do it for a while. So that's Ex Libris by Anne Fadiman. And it is time for our next sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints long after we are gone by Tara Shelton Harris, today's episode is brought to you by disney books do y'all like caribbean mythology What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena De Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money so what does she do she cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals but then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders and the truth selena has been denying can no longer be avoided there is evil lurking in the forests that surrounds St. Virgil. And to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. All right. Question five
1: is from Barbara, who says, my book club has been reading a lot of serious but excellent books lately. Do you have any fun suggestions to lighten the mood and still provide opportunities for discussion? Jen, I love this note (laughs) that you (laughs) put in. Because you are so
2: correct. I am correct. I am correct. I'm objectively correct. Okay, my suggestion for your book club is Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan. And my note is, how is he the modern Edith Wharton? Discuss. Like, this is what I want your book club to do. I want your book club to read Crazy Rich Asians and then talk about how, in fact, Kevin Kwan is... The modern Asian American Edith Wharton. Like, this okay. is a true thing. I, because, you know, like, whatever you think about Crazy Rich Asians, the movie, the book, whatever. Like, rich people problems, yes. Obviously, lots of fun to read about. And, like, some of the characters are just absolutely ridiculous. Like, these are not real problems, right? But the way that Quan tackles the social games that people are playing, the way that wealth is shaping their lives, the way that people who don't have that kind of class status move in and out and how they're treated, like, all of these questions that Edith Wharton was asking, in Age of Innocence, etc., like, are in here. They're in here. And I think it's super interesting to look at that and, like, yes, enjoy the, like, bubbly, fun, rompy, ridiculousness of it, but there is real stuff going on in here that I think is absolutely interesting to talk about in a book club context. And so that is my suggestion for you. Mm. (laughs) So again, Crazy Irritations, Kevin Kwan. I believe it is is actually like social satire genius
1: yes that scene in the movie when i don't remember the main character's name the rachel yes is playing mahjong with the
2: mother yes just oh yeah
1: man i remember seeing it being like games on games on games this is
2: amazing (laughs) that is not in the book if i recall correctly no it's not it's not but the the book is equally great well, that's also a good point. Watch the movie, too, and then talk mm-hmm. about the different... Like, there's so much you could do with a book club with this book.
1: hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Henry's a good enough reason to watch it. Yes.
2: Anyway. Yeah, Anyway. <laughs> All right.
1: My pick for you is The Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams. And I'm noticing now that this pick and my next one are both episodes of The Hand that I just recorded. And I'm Ooh, not sure if they're webs. going up before or after this. But it's too... I don't... I'm committed. You just get to hear about them twice, and it's fine. Okay. So The Fastest Way to Fall... It's a book that my book club just read. And we talked about this book for a hot minute, I tell you. Okay, so this is a romance. It's a contemporary romance. The woman's name is Britta. And she works for a lifestyle website that sounds a little bit like goop, kind of, but like not woo, but that kind of like lifestyle and wellness and, you know, whatever. Crunchy. Yes. And she gets an assignment to write about a new fitness app. And she's doing this with another journalist who is going to write about a competing fitness app. And then they're going to compare their notes and see like which one is better. The angle, however, is that Britta is fat and does not care to change her weight. She doesn't know how much she weighs. She doesn't care how much she weighs. She wants to get stronger. She wants to run and like feel better. But she is not interested in losing weight. So she has picked an app that fits those goals. The app is like... You can have weight loss goals if you want. We're not here to help you with that. We're here to get you, you know, running if you want to run, lifting weights if you want to lift weights, um, eating healthier if that's what you want to do. But like, we're not here to help you lose weight. The other app is more traditional, like a diet app. So she joins this app and she's, you know, she gets assigned a trainer. The trainer turns out to secretly be our hero, Wes, who is the CEO Who only took on a training client because he's bored and like does not like being the CEO. This app blew up overnight. They became, you know, like tech stars or whatever. And he's like, I'm just a personal trainer, golden retriever in a buff dude's body. This is not what I signed up for. I just want to like train people at the gym. I don't know what's going on. So he secretly takes on a client. Turns out to be Britta. Neither of them knows the other one's identity. Like he does not know that she is a journalist covering his company. She does not know that he is the CEO. Secret secrets. Everybody's got secrets. (laughs) And then off they go. You know, like this is the romance kind of setup where this is the thing. These are the series of obstacles that they have to overcome. And then you just kind of watch it shake out and shake out. It does. Wes has a has a scary ex fiance who turns out to be the CEO of the competing app. Um, she's a very tall, thin blonde woman who does not appreciate that Wes is now like has feelings for a flat, a fat black woman. Like that's not a, that's not OK with her. So there's like that whole conflict is a thing. There's a career conflict for Britta. And there's just so much we there are a variety of body sizes in my and like exercise willingness to do-ness in my book club um but everyone found a way to connect with this character everyone like from her race to the way she looks to the way she feels to like her resentment about how she's being told she's supposed to feel about her body her rejection of it her self-love journey all of it like there was something there for literally everyone because if there's a universal experience For women or, well, probably, I mean, for everyone, but I think especially for women, it's that like your body is not okay, no matter what it looks like, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what it looks like. We all get that message. And so, you know, you drop a book about a woman accepting her body into a book club and have fun talking about it. it. There's just a lot there. So that's The Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams.
2: Literally just put that on hold at the library. (laughs) Cannot wait for that to come in. A long hold time for that one, though, which is good for the author, not good for me. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) our next question is from Jessica, who says, I just finished Will by Will Smith and now have a Will Smith shaped hole in my (laughs) reading heart. I need something to fill it, but I'm not a big nonfiction reader, so I don't really know where to start. Previously, I really enjoyed Born a Crime, Dear Girls, Educated, and All of Jenny Lawson. I'm looking for a great storyteller with an interesting life. I will be listening to the book, so bonus points if the author narrates. Okay, so I am going to caveat and say that my recommendation is a hard—I am in no way equating— Mm. jonathan van ness with will smith i am not that is not what i'm doing here what i'm doing here is like i the vibe of your question is that like you are interested in people who are like celebrities or in entertainment like notable folks who Mm. have had a go of it Mm. like have had to work to get where they are and have had some like stuff in their lives and that is jonathan van ness from queer eye in case you don't know. So that is why I'm recommending Over the Top. I will give a bunch of content warnings, which include child abuse, self-destructive behavior, and disordered drug use. Uh, Jonathan Van Ness has been through it, y'all, and like grew up in a very small Midwestern town that like did not know what to do, you know, with. I'm going to use Their current pronouns, which are they, Mm -hmm. them. Even though the book description uses he, him, because this was pre-non-binary announcement. So anyway, so did not know what to do with them. And so, yeah, like, it's about, you know, coming out. It's about childhood trauma. It is also very much about the book report that Van Ness did on Hillary Clinton in, like, the sixth grade that had me in actual, like, laughter tears. Like, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Like, this book balances so well the difficult parts of Van Ness's life and then, like, what makes them such, like, a bubbly, amazing, like, sometimes like, a lot, but, like, you're so here for it, person to watch on TV. Like, I just could not get enough of this book. It is so, it's so good and it so encapsulates both Vanessa's like personality and their journey. And I just, I really think that it's a must listen slash read mm. if you are looking for like um like a dishy but also like really raw and like truthful and honest and tough celebrity memoir so again over the top by Jonathan Van Ness also wait side note They've now there's like a new Prince of Bel Air show that I have yes. to watch because I grew up in that era and like I have not seen it yet. I'm so like afraid that I'm not gonna like it, but it also involves Will Smith, so probably I'm gonna like it. But I don't know. I, I have a lot of feelings about it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a no on it. At least Are you? The, well, the trailers make it look like it's a like very dramatic. Like it's not a comedy mm, or mm, mm. like it's a real drama. Well, I, which is I don't. That's not what. Okay. I don't Fair know. Enough. You know, Fair maybe enough. I'm wrong. Obviously, I haven't watched it. Maybe the trailer maker was just not very good. But it looks like a swing in, in vibe from <laughs> from the original Freshwoods. Okay. So I latched on to your mentions of Born a Crime and also Educated, which are memoirs about people with really, really rough upbringings who went on to do really interesting and impressive things. So... That said, I picked In the Shadow of the Mountain by Sylvia Vasquez Lovato, which comes with trigger warnings for childhood sexual abuse and human trafficking. And this is a memoir about the first Peruvian woman to climb Everest, which is Sylvia. And I did listen to this on audio. She does narrate it. It's She's a great narrator. She is born in Peru, where she is sexually abused by like the family handyman for many, many years. And eventually leaves and goes to the U.S. for college and becomes an alcoholic. She comes out as a lesbian to her family. That does not go over well. Um, And she spends a lot of time in the U.S. spiraling, like not not processing her trauma, drinking herself into ditches, literally and figuratively, has a lot of a lot of like really hard uh, issues. And then she discovers mountain climbing through a series of of events, one of which in- includes like an ayahuasca trip. And she discovers mountain climbing and realizes that like this is the thing. Like this is the thing that is going to get her out of her head long enough to process the things that she has been through and the things that were done to her. And so she takes on... Some kind of really impressive climbs, usually with very little to no preparation, and then like learns, you know, from those mistakes, and eventually becomes so skilled and so elite that she climbs Everest. And the chapters are... Um, alternating so you get a chapter in the present day when she is climbing Everest for the first time and a chapter and then the next chapter will be like a flashback to some period of time in her her childhood or her young adulthood that brought her to that moment and then back to Everest and then back to the past one of the things I really love about this is that she is taking it's not just her climbing Everest she works with an organization that rescues girls and women from human trafficking and takes them to hike base camp to like hike to the base camp of Everest. So they start in like outside of Kathmandu. It's a 40 mile multi-day hike to get to base camp, which blows my mind. I have never read anything about climbing Everest. I don't know what that involves, but it takes you days to even get to the (laughs) bottom of it. Like you have to climb for days to get to the bottom of this mountain. (laughs) And several members of her group are Nepalese women, which she also makes a like, a very big point of because Nepal is one of the human trafficking centers Mm. of the world. And also she, like, recognizes that it's really important that she brings Nepalese women to their sacred religious site as part of their healing and not just hers as somebody coming from outside of the country. So, you know, she's a queer, very small woman from Peru who is in this extremely white, extremely male-dominated world and using it to... Heal her sexual abuse trauma and that of other women. It's such a wreckingly powerful book. Mm. I cannot. It's just punches to the gut over and over again in the most inspirational way. And now I have to go to Nepal. I'm not gonna. Climb. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to climb Everest. That's. I'm not even gonna try to get to the bottom of it. But I would like to see it from afar. It's just such an. Uh, it's so inspirational. And not inspirational in that cheesy way. Like she's in it. You know, this is not a cleaned up, tidy version of a story. This is like dirt, grime, tears, sweat. So that is In the Shadow of the Mountain by Sylvia Vasquez Lovato. All right, our last question is from Emily, who says, I have two requests. I'm looking for a literary, will they, won't they romance to read. I love reading about people's relationships and the dynamics between them, but I tend to find more genre specific romance cheesy and unrealistic. Some examples of romantic plot lines I've enjoyed in the past are Never Let Me Go, Kazuo Ishiguro, all of Sally Rooney, Sweet Bitter, The Marriage Plot, and When we, are, we Were Liars, thank you, sorry. From this list you can see I'm open to many different styles and settings, just looking for an intriguing romantic duo. Second, I've grown more interested in poetry and prose and want to dive deeper into this world or poetry slash poetry prose i tend to like being spoon-fed by reading more pared back straightforward styles like mary oliver and lydia davis i also recently enjoyed sabrina bename overall i tend to prefer more contemporary styles would love any ideas you have for more poetry all right jen took the poetry did jen take the poetry yes i did the poetry question so i will let her go
2: All right. So poetry. Yeah. I also love Mary Oliver and Lydia Davis. Love them. I need to pick up Sabrina ben obviously. I don't read a ton of poetry. So when I do, yes, I'm definitely there for like nothing that's too experimental because I don't know how to read that. I barely know how to read regular poetry. (laughs) So my pick for you is Bright Dead Things by Ada Limon, which is a beautiful collection that I picked up because a friend like literally made made me stand on a corner while she read one of the poems to me. And I was like, well, (laughs) this is incredible. (laughs) And so, yeah, I super love this book. It deals with all kinds of things. She moves from New York to rural Kentucky, which is like a big thing. She loses a parent. Um, It's coming of age. There's falling in love. There's like, how do I be a, a person in the world? How do I be in this relationship? It's all there. And there is not as much like nature focus as Mary Oliver, but obviously, Obviously, like somebody who moves from New York City to Kentucky is thinking about nature in various ways so you'll get some of that as well but yeah I love I love this collection I love Limon's work and I look forward to reading more of it and I think you will feel the same so again that is Bright Dead Things by Ada Limon
1: all right so the I took the romancey kind of question and this is This is a really interesting question because you're not actually looking for a romance. A romance is a genre that has a happy ending or a happily for now. And you seem to, like, not want that. All the books you listed do not. None of them have happy endings, (laughs) at least between the romantic characters. So you want... It seems like you want literary fiction with a, a romantic subplot or a romantic kind of throughline. So I picked one of those. Uh, it's called *Even as We Breathe*. It's by Annette Sanook Clapsaddle. This is such a—it's a really singular book. It's about uh, a 20-year-old man named County who is a Cherokee and he lives in North Carolina during the summer of 1942. He's not been like drafted. He's not going to war because, you know, America of course was involved in World War II at the time. He's not going to war because he is disabled. And so he gets a job working as a kind of groundskeeper, a janitor, At a really fancy inn, it's called the Grove Park Inn, which is a uh, local resort, except it's been taken over by the government and is being used to house really fancy prisoners of war. So like diplomats who were in the States at the time war was declared, their families, etc., And he gets involved in a mystery where one of the uh, diplomat's daughters goes missing. And since he is the only person of color on staff, of course, he is the one who's immediately suspected. Now, the romantic subplot is between him and a woman named Essie, who lives in his uh, town and they commute together to the inn. She also works at the inn, I think also as a cleaner or something. And he has such a crush on her like from childhood it's one of those situations where they've grown up together um, and he has just become besotted and she has become not besotted, not besotted like very friend zony vibes in the in the way that like she is not interested in him but maybe is maybe you know it's a big question mark and so you know you're with county as he's experiencing this like really awful situation at work while also trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life and like maybe he's going to go to college how's he going to pay for that um, he's got family situations to deal with uh, he's an orphan but he lives with his grandmother who is getting you know up in years and also his uncle who he deeply does not get along with and then essie is just kind of it's i don't want to say stringing him a lot i have like feminist feelings about mm-hmm. like she can do whatever she wants and she can be nice to this character without it having to mean that she is interested or available for his romantic pursuits but the way that she treats him makes him feel as if he has a chance so there's this big will they won't they through most of the book until well spoiler i can't really I can't tell you what happens because it's a spoiler and it's not a romance, so it's not like you know going in <laughs> that they're going to end up together. But there is this tension, there's this character growth, mostly for County, but also for her, that they, they like, point at each other. It's just really, really well done and super, super tense. So that's Even As We Breathe by Annette Sanook Clapsaddle.
2: Yeah, Cosine. And that is our
1: show. Uh. March, March, March. Thank you so much to our <laughs> audio editor, Jen Zink. Thank all of you for listening. You can find more recommendations at bookride.com and, of course, find all of our other podcasts at slash listen. Please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to the show. Thank you to our sponsors. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. And where's Jen?
2: I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J E N N I R L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to y'all next week.